When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio theater is rated ADPG, so parental guidance is suggested. In conjunction with WERALP Radio Arlington, Jabberwocky Audio Theater presents... War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. One does not need to go far on our reconstructed internet to find those who claim to have known of the coming invasion. And yet, by and large, none of us would have believed that in the early years of the 21st century, our world was being watched. Watched closely by intelligences greater than ours and yet as mortal as our own. We now know that as we humans busied ourselves about our various concerns, we were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a scientist with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacency, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over all matters. Yet, across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. And so again, for those of you just tuning in here at the top of the hour, welcome. I'm Bob Fredericks, and you're listening to a special live broadcast here on WERA LPFM Radio Arlington. 96.7 FM and also being rebroadcast at other frequencies throughout the D.C. metropolitan area. If you are experiencing power outages, you are not alone. Pepco, Dominion Power, and other local utilities estimate over 1 million customers have lost power around the region. The outages began late Wednesday evening and continue this morning. The actual cause for the outage is still being investigated, but officials have stated there are no signs of foul play. Internet and cell phone service also seem to be affected, so I want to assure listeners that we will be doing this special broadcast for as long as needed to give you the latest information. This is quite an event, but we will get through it together. Let's see. Now, as we reported earlier, OPM has announced all federal offices are closed with emergency and telework-ready employees following their agency's policies for these sorts of events. Liberal and unscheduled leave policies are in effect. D.C., Maryland, and Virginia schools all closed, and I know you're probably used to checking your website these days, and now you can't. I promise I will read through the full list of schools later this hour, but in the meantime... Please trust me, we have reports indicating every school system from Richmond to Baltimore is closed. Kids, you're welcome. (laughs) 
Now, before your kids go and celebrate in the streets, I do want to give you all a serious reminder. The governors of both Maryland and Virginia and the mayor of D.C. have declared a state of emergency and have asked citizens to stay calm and stay home if possible, especially if you have power. There is no cause for alarm. The state of emergency is declared in part to activate state and local agencies' disaster response plans and speed up recovery efforts. It also allows the National Guard to be mobilized to assist in those efforts. We understand that has already happened in Virginia around Louisa and Spotsylvania counties due to, I believe, some reported seismic activity. So if you're listening to me now, please consider staying off the road. Power is being restored. Just let the work crews and emergency responders do their job. As I said earlier, we will be staying with you for the duration of this event. Now, I did mention roads, so for those of you who do need to travel, let's go over and check in with Dana Lavelle from WCAP, who is helping us out with traffic. Over to you, Dana. Thanks, Bob. You might be forgiven for thinking that we are at the start of a long weekend today early, folks, because traffic around the D.C. area is pretty light. But that's exactly what officials are asking for. If you don't need to be on the roads, state and local governments are asking you to stay home. Emergency vehicles are busy, both getting people to the hospital as well as working to clear downed power lines. This is especially true for those of you down south of the Fredericksburg area. There have been reports of earthquakes or other seismic activity around Lake Anna, and state police have closed down a number of roads. Thank you, Dana. Now, are there any other road closures the listeners should know about? None that have been reported to us, Bob. But I should note that police and safety officials have emphasized that the situation is, quote, very fluid, unquote, and they may need to close roads at short notice due to the emergency. So I take it that the roads are pretty light this morning. That's correct. In Virginia, on I-66 and 395. In Maryland, on 270. And all around the Beltway. Traffic is light and moving easily. I should note that Metro Rail has been impacted by the power outages as well. Many of the trains and stations do not have power, so they have a special shuttle buses going between the stations. But it is a Sunday schedule, and officials stress that if you have to travel, you should expect delays. Frankly, Bob, I would urge listeners to stay home if they don't have to go into work. If your smartphone is like mine, none of your traffic apps are going to be working anyway. (laughs) Are you going through withdrawal, Dana? I have to confess, it's been hard. It's times like this you really notice how much you use your smartphone. And for you listeners who are used to following me on Twitter and my traffic alerts, I am hashtag bummed, (laughs) but we will get through it. More on road conditions in about half an hour. Back to you, Bob. Thank you, Dana. All right, so we've had traffic, which means it's time to check in with weather and Lisa Howes. Lisa? Thank you, Bob. If you've never gotten the hang of Thursdays, I'm afraid this one isn't going to be much better. But just speaking about the weather alone, it's about as nice a fall day as you could expect for late October around the region. It's going to get up into the mid-70s, and the sky is clear. So you're not saying this is an early Halloween scare, right? I don't want to downplay the power outages, and I understand people down in Spotsylvania County did get a literal bump in the night from a minor earthquake. But weather-wise, we're looking good. Now, I understand you've had a chance to review reports from the National Weather Service, and they haven't really shed any new light on either the power outages or the disruption of the Internet and cell phone service. Yes, Bob, that's right. I was even talking with a friend over there right before this. They are stumped. The Weather Service has been working closely with her colleagues over the Office of Oceanic and Atmospheric Research and some of NASA's Earth Sciences people. 
Right now, they're working on a model that might explain the disruption with GPS and communication satellites based on changes in the mesosphere and thermosphere. Uh, you might want to give our listeners a more layman's version of that. Oh, yes, certainly. Well, the Earth's atmosphere is actually about five layers, which helps protect us from harmful rays from the sun and radiation and all that. So the area between the two layers I just mentioned can affect radio and satellite communications. Uh, you're talking about the ionosphere. See, I knew radio veterans would know this. <laughs> yes, but I don't think our listeners are radio engineers, so... <laughs> so... Uh... I guess in the simplest terms, it's that major atmospheric changes in those layers may explain the wacky communication problems we're having. Of course, it could just as easily be something with the satellites themselves, but the Air Force Space Command that oversees the GPS system and other agencies have not put out any statements as of yet. So we still don't know. Sadly, that's correct. I will keep checking with the National Weather Service and others. I even have a call-in to an old UVA friend who's at Found Mountain Out Observatory. I know they're checking in on possible solar storms as part of this. Now, what about the reports of gas eruptions on the planet Mars we heard about earlier? I believe that was actually months ago, so I don't think they're focusing on that. But for Mars, you'd really need to talk to my sister. She's the rocket scientist. Uh, you could have fooled me. So, thank you very much, Lisa Howes. We'll check in with you again at the top of the hour. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I had planned to go over the list of school closings now, but I've just been handed a piece of paper that says we have an urgent update on seismic activity to the south of us. We are going to take you now to Eddie Shaw with station WQVA. How are things in Spotsylvania, Eddie? Uh, are we on? Yes, this is Bob Fredericks at WERALP in Arlington. How are things down there, Eddie? Oh, oh okay, we're, we're live? Yes, can you hear us okay? Yes, um, yes, oh, pardon okay. me. Good morning, everyone. This is Eddie Shaw reporting to you live from Boggs Point in Spotsylvania County here in Virginia. For those of you who haven't been down this way, Boggs Point is on Lake Anna, right across from the North Anna Nuclear Generating Station, where the most incredible thing appears to have happened. At least three, and as many as nine, large objects have struck on and around this facility. The North Anna plant regularly powers much of the Richmond area and Northern Virginia, over 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. So these impacts are responsible for some of the power outages we've been experiencing? Officials believe so, yes. I've gotten reports that similar impacts have occurred at North Anna's sister plant in Surrey County, not too far from Newport News. That's part of the incredible thing. So, uh, uh, Eddie, this is a nuclear power plant. Is there any danger of a meltdown or radiation leakage due to the impacts? Amazingly, no. The cooling towers are intact, and Dave, our recording engineer, has been to North Anna before, so he has a Geiger counter he picked up on Amazon. We're good. Uh, <clears throat> Eddie... I'm glad you all have thought about this, but are you sure you're safe? And what should listeners do if they're near the North Anna power plant? How close are you? We're just across the lake, about a half a mile away at Boggs Point. But that's not the most shocking thing. Oh, wait, you asked about evacuations. Authorities have begun evacuating residents who are within the 10-mile um, plume exposure pathway zone. 
in the case of airborne contaminants. And I'm sure they're going to move us away pretty soon. They just have their hands full at the moment. Here's the thing. Those objects that struck around the power plant, they don't seem to be natural. They're not meteors or anything. They're shaped like large cylinders. So wait, Eddie, are you saying this was some kind of terrorist attack or a military strike? Well, no. I mean, not exactly. You see, the cylinders, they don't appear to be man-made. Like, they're not human. Like, extraterrestrial. Uh, you mean... Yeah. That's incredible. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, hold on for a moment, Eddie. Have you gotten confirmation from any officials about this theory? Can you see any of the cylinders? Yes. One of the cylinders is just across the water from us. As for official confirmation, there seems to be a whole protocol for um, first contact situations. But I guess because of them landing here and the nature of the disruption, we've had trouble getting a hold of any official word. Okay, Eddie, I just want to be very sure of what we're reporting on the air. I understand, Bob, and I want to assure everyone listening that there is no danger of radiation. And there also does not seem to be any danger at the moment from these landings. However, I do want to report the facts on the ground as accurately as we can. And as incredible as it may sound, it appears as though we do have a first contact situation with beings not from this Earth. When do you think you can get any official word about this first contact situation? I'm not sure. We have a small pool of reporters down here, and we're sharing all of our information as much as possible. But no one has gotten back anything official. Oh, in the meantime, we have managed to locate something of an expert. Dave, can you bring up the professor? Ma'am, we're ready for you. Oh, oh, so I, <clears throat> I, just, I just put on these headphones. Yes, yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, um, hello? Hello, Dr. Perron. Thank you for joining us. Um, hello, yes, thank you. So for everyone listening, this is Dr. Isabella Perron from NASA's Langley Research Center. She'll be our rocket scientist this morning. Oh, well, uh, thank you, but I, I should say first, I'm not really a rocket scientist. You are something of an expert on Mars, correct? You said something about being in astronautics? Well, technically, I'm with the Earth Sciences Group at Langley, uh, though I consult so much with the teams working on the Mars rovers and related hardware that they've come to consider me the resident areologist. <laughs> um, that is someone who studies Mars. Great! So we have the right person to speak about the Martians across the water there. Oh, well, if they're even Martians. Uh, but I should also mention that I am not speaking officially on behalf of NASA or uh, on the part of any of the government that is tasked with these um, situations. I just felt that given this extraordinary event, I should do my best to help. Well, we understand, Doctor. You are speaking from a professional capacity, not an official one. We appreciate you being here with us. Yes, thank you. And just to be clear... Who is the audience here? You're speaking to all of our listeners tuned into WQVA here in Spotsylvania County, as well as listeners up around WERALP in Arlington. Oh, I was going to be up in Arlington this weekend. Doctor, th this is Bob Fredericks in Arlington. We are glad you're down there today. Yes, of course. So, Dr. Perotten, can you describe for our listeners the scene across the lake? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, it's quite remarkable. Uh, just across the way, probably no more than six or seven hundred meters, is a large metallic cylinder. Uh, I'd estimate the cylinder to be approximately 15 or 20 meters in length, 
it's rather hard to be precise, since a portion of it is clearly buried uh, by about four meters in diameter. It makes quite an odd juxtaposition to... Um, is that a basketball court? Yes, I believe it's a basketball court. The plant workers use for recreation. Yes, well, if your listeners can imagine that a portion of a large passenger jet was buried right next to an outdoor basketball court, they might understand what we're looking at. Only the cylinder has no windows and shows no signs of damage whatsoever. It really is remarkable, because if we are to engage in the conjecture that this is an extraterrestrial vehicle of some kind, it shows none of the signs we would associate with re-entry. So, you're saying it does resemble what you believe, um, forgive me, alien spacecraft might look like? Well, not exactly. I'm saying that it does bear some resemblance to both space station modules and Mars habitat modules we've designed, um, insofar as the cylindrical shape is concerned. But you see, most of those are not meant to face the rigors of reentry into a planetary atmosphere. It's very hot, you understand. So if these cylinders were at all analogous to ones we designed, we might expect to see some signs of... Oh, oh my, oh my, what is that? I'm not sure. Dave, can you hand the extra binoculars to the professor? Uh, uh, Here you go, Doc. Thank you. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, what are you all seeing? It appears that one end of the cylinder has unscrewed somehow. This could be the cylinder's way of opening. The soldiers around the cylinder are now on alert. Oh, I'm not sure if I gave details before, but there is a tremendous military presence all around the North Anna facility now, and the cylinder we can see is surrounded by both what I believe to be Virginia National Guard, as well as emergency first responders and other government officials. One end of the cylinder is now swinging open, and... Wait wait a moment. Yes, I see movement. I see... Oh, my! (laughs) Dr. Perrotten, would you describe what we're seeing for our listeners? Oh, I I will certainly try. It's a, a big grayish round bulk, uh, the size perhaps of, of an adult black bear, but without the fur. Um, the light is catching it, and the skin, I believe that may be skin, is glistening in the light like wet leather. Dr. Perotten, are you saying you are seeing an alien emerge from the cylinder? Well, I believe that may be a fair assessment. It, it's, it's moving like an animal, or perhaps, dare I say it, a human? But it's not, it's not remotely human in appearance. There are one or two, maybe, uh, yes, two, uh, tentacular appendages. It seems to be laboring to breathe and to move in our atmosphere. And what I believe is its head is turning and, oh. Yeah, I'm going to go with the alien bomb. Uh, Eddie, doctor, can you describe its face? I'll do my best not to sound judgmental. Though I must confess it, a rather visceral reaction of disgust at the sight of it. The creature has a peculiar V-shaped mouth with a pointed upper lip. There is an absence of brow ridges as well as an an absence of anything like a a chin beneath a wedge-like lower lip. And its mouth, if that is its mouth, is quivering. And oh! 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 Another creature has appeared. It's absolutely incredible, Bob. I mean, I can't say they're Martians, but they're clearly not from this Earth. What, what are they doing now? They, they appear to be observing all the soldiers and emergency personnel around the cylinder. Oh, 
Franklin Trooper, stay frosty and remember the briefing. It looks like a small group of personnel wearing uh, hazmat suits are approaching the cylinder. The aliens have noticed them. Uh, yes, th those should be the interagency staff trying to establish contact. Um, though actually, they would have been trying to establish contact via radio or other forms before this, so I'm not sure why the aliens are less wise. The creatures have only emerged now. The contact group were approaching. They appear to have something that looks like a whiteboard, probably for trying to write messages. The leader has his arms outstretched and down, I think to indicate welcome. At least that's what I get. I hope that's what the aliens see. Mm -hmm. They're about 30 feet from the cylinder, and I see some kind of movement. I, I believe one of the creatures has retrieved some sort of apparatus with, it, with its tentacles. Yeah, yes, I see it now. You, you see it? What is it? It's small, metal. There's a glint of reflection like it has a mirrored surface, and I see light coming from it. Oh, my God! It's fire! It's, oh. it's a jet of fire is coming from the mirror. Oh, God, it struck the contact team directly. Lord, they're on fire. Oh, no. Weapons free. Engage the hostiles. I think the guardsman struck one of the aliens, but another one of the creatures has a second heat ray. The alien is firing it at the soldiers. Oh, this is horrible. The whole area around the cylinder is on fire. The vehicles, the people, the heat ray is everywhere. Oh, my God. It's shooting across the water now. The water! Lake Anna, the lake is boiling from the heat. Eddie, Doc, let's go. Oh, my. Let's go now. This is incredible, the range of this thing. It's burning everything in its path. Uh, it's coming across the water, coming across here to Boggs Point. I need to leave. Eddie, 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 are you all right? Ladies and gentlemen, we, we've lost contact with Eddie Shaw, who has been reporting live from Boggs Point near the North Anna Nuclear Generating Station roughly... 100 miles south of us here in Arlington, Virginia. We are still waiting for confirmation of the incredible news that humanity has encountered beings from another planet. An encounter, it regrettably sounds, has turned violent. Oh, what's this? Thank you, oh, I see. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed a bulletin filed by one of the pool of reporters in and around the vicinity of the North Anna Nuclear Generating Station and the events which we have been listening to. The following comes from Darren Oakland of the Independent News Service. Quote, the grounds of the North Anna Nuclear Generating Station in rural Virginia were the scene of a pitched battle between military personnel and as of yet an unknown adversary. Over 100 people are believed dead, including over 40 members of the Virginia National Guard. Their bodies have been burned beyond all recognition by a device used by creatures that landed there hours before in a, uh, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I've just been informed that we have an official announcement coming in from the National Guard commander on the ground there in Lake Anna. We take you now live to Brigadier General Lawrence Marvin of the Virginia National Guard. This is Brigadier General Marvin of the Virginia National Guard. By the order of the governor of Virginia, I'm placing the counties of Caroline, Hanover, Louisa, Orange, and Spotsylvania under martial law. We are asking all citizens within these counties to stay in your homes or your place of work, unless otherwise ordered to evacuate. Travel is restricted on U.S. Routes 522 and 33 near Lake Anna, and you should expect to be stopped at your checkpoints. 
State routes 208 and 652 are completely closed to civilian traffic. For your own safety, stay off the roads. I urge my fellow citizens to remain calm and follow any orders emergency officials may give. I can report that we have successfully repulsed the attack of these invaders and that the creatures, whatever they may be, have been driven back to their cylinder. They are not invulnerable and we stand ready to defend you. Again, to my fellow citizens, please remain calm as we continue operations to contain this threat. That is all. You've just been listening to Brigadier General Marvin of the Virginia National Guard. And I realize that the declaration of martial law may not mean much to our regular WERA listeners here in Arlington, but it will affect those of you who are listening throughout the facilities of WQVA down in Spotsylvania. I would also like to remind listeners that a state of emergency is still in effect throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, ladies and gentlemen, continuing here, I have just received word that we have managed to make contact once again with Dr. Perotten. Both she and the recording engineer from WQVA have survived, and she is prepared to deliver an account of what happened. Go ahead, Dr. Perotten. Are you there? You're on. Thank you. Uh, okay. It is with great regret that I must first report that Edward Shaw is among the dead. My sympathies go out to his friends and family. Although I am not a journalist, I feel it is my duty to report what I have observed to the best of my ability while we are still here. I uh, am speaking to you from Mayberry Hill, where I have a clear view of the cylinder. There's been no movement from the outside, but I understand noises have been heard from within. Uh, of the creatures themselves, I'm not prepared to speculate as to their origins or motivations. I do have many questions about their seemingly sluggish movement, as I noted earlier, uh, of their fearsome weapon. I feel prepared to offer conjecture. The creatures obviously possess a level of technological prowess far beyond our current ability. Uh, the weapon, which I understand the soldiers are calling a heat ray, appears to have some form of advanced uh, flamethrower. However, unlike flamethrowers we may be familiar with using propane or historically napalm, no visible fuel or propellant has been evident. They direct this heat ray by means of a polished parabolic mirror of unknown composition, much as the parabolic mirror of a lighthouse projects a beam of light. <sighs> Whatever is combustible flashes into flame when touched by this ray. It softens metals, cracks and melts glass, and when it falls upon water, explodes into steam. You there. Yes. I was told you were up here. Listen, ma'am, we're clearing you and all the other non-combatants out for the rest of this operation. It's for your safety. We're reporting. For WQVA, right? Yes. Oh, that's right. But also some folks up in Arlington. We're feeding into their broadcast. Arlington. Okay. Hold on, would you let me... Of, of course. Hello, this is Captain McBride of the U.S. Army Signal Corps. For the National Command Authority, we are taking control of WQVA and other facilities for the duration of this emergency. What? Your people are going to be safe. In fact, Staff Sergeant. Yes, sir. Make sure these two get to the Humvee safely. Yes, sir. Wait, what about our equipment? Army equipment now. In fact, that reminds me. Requisition orders and a receipt signed by your general manager. But, I mean... I promise we'll bring your rig back as good as new or Uncle Sam will buy you a new one. Ha! Staff Sergeant. This way. Uh, let's be quick. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it, it appears we have lost our feet to Dr. Perotten at Mayberry Hill near Lake Anna. We will try and get more clarification on the orders the Army Captain McBride referenced. In the meantime, we have received several bulletins confirming the landing at the North Anna Nuclear Generating Station, and it is not an isolated incident. We now have confirmed reports of landings near Surrey Nuclear Power Plant near Newport News, as well as the Calvert Cliffs in Maryland. We have similar reports from up and down the East Coast, and in all cases, the landings appear to be near nuclear power plants. In addition, we have a report from the Independent News Service that NASA's James Webb Space Telescope detected gas eruptions from the planet Mars starting in February of this year, and that a trip from Mars to Earth at the current distance between the two planets would have taken seven or eight months. We have asked for comment from NASA's Planetary Science Division, which apparently tasked the Webb Telescope to observe Mars. Now hold on, I, I've just learned we might have a feedback to WQVA around Lake Anna. We're receiving, but I'm not sure if we can communicate with them. Let's, let's give a listen. Well, that's right, we have movement. Something's coming up out of the top of the cylinder. It's some shape of glitter and metal. There's metal ropes, though they're like metal analogs of the creature's tentacles just hanging on the side and it's standing up on legs. Joint base Langley, are you seeing this? It's like some monstrous tripod. It's higher than any of the buildings here at North Anna. There's a thin mass to top it. Looks like it's one of their heat rays. DeSoto's going to open up with his battery. We, uh, we have temporarily lost transmission with our feed from Lake Anna, and it does not appear that they can hear us. We're continuing to try and get more information on what is happening. And we've damaged the machine. It appears to be foundering. There's a second tripod coming up. It looks like it's trying to repair. Gunner, get the range and fire. It's releasing some sort of smoke. I see it. Focus. Get eyes on the target and fire. The smoke's coming toward us fast. Yes, masks on. Give me someone who has eyes on target. Where's Brightboard and the javelin team? Uh, <coughs> I couldn't raise them. They're in the middle of that smoke. Well, you gotta tell them <coughs> to aim. Aim for the legs. <coughs> Shoot the javelins at the legs. <coughs> the gas masks aren't working. <coughs> we gotta get out of here. You stand your ground. The hell with that. <coughs> we have to keep <coughs> firing. <coughs> we can still... <coughs> <coughs> Joint base Langley. <coughs> we need air support. This is Wardog lead to Wardog flight. Look alive. We're coming up on the target. I count two tripods at 10 o'clock, Warthog lead. Roger that, Wardog 4. You and Wardog 2, take one on the right. Wardog 3, you're with me on the left. Hard to see things with all that black goo on the floor. That's why they pay us the big bucks, Wardog 3. Fire your Mavericks and let the FM work. Roger that. Mavericks away. Warthog lead, coming around for another pass with the Hydras. Did you hit? Negative. It just impacted on the surface of some kind of shielding. They have shields now? What kind of Star Trek crap is this? Warthog lead, new target under 6 o'clock. It's firing its heat ray. Warthog flight, buster north to Angels 10 now. Ladies and gentlemen, to recap, it's been hours since we've heard from anyone in the vicinity of Lake Anna. 
I'm broadcasting to you now atop Roslyn Tower 1 for the attack on Washington we are sure will come now. As incredible as it may sound, we have multiple bulletins from NASA, the Air Force Space Command, and other government agencies that the gas eruptions reported earlier this year on the planet Mars were actually launches of the cylinders that have landed here today. They've landed in Virginia and Maryland, and it would seem all over the world. Within these cylinders was an invading force that has ignored all attempts at communication and has spared no one in their path. If you can hear my voice, please get yourself and your loved ones to safety. Do not take the bridges over the Potomac. They are hopelessly jammed. Head west, away from the city and the suburbs. A couple of us are staying here to report what we can see and hear and perhaps in the vain hope that the last defenses near the Pentagon will hold. I see them now. Just three tripods coming up the Potomac as easy as you or I might wade across a stream. They've laid waste to Reagan National Airport. They're at Gravelly Point now. The forces, the forces near the Pentagon appear to be trying to defend the 14th Street Bridge. It's, it's no use. The shielding makes these massive tripods impervious to anything. Now, the tripods are all releasing the black smoke we've heard so much about being used in the South. This is the first time seeing it. How can I describe something so unearthly? It's heavy. It's, it's clearly a vapor as it comes pouring out of the machines, but it's heavy. It's sinking to the ground and spreading rapidly more liquid than gaseous. The tripods are moving slowly behind the smoke. The smoke is moving much more rapidly. It's, it's already covering Arlington Cemetery now. It's like a liquid fog. The entire cemetery is engulfed in it. It's past the Netherlands Korean. Now, onto the Iwo Jima Marine Corps Memorial. People are getting out of their stopped cars on Roosevelt Bridge. They're running, they're running, but the smoke is moving too quickly. They're dropping like flies. It's a thick wall. Oh my goodness, we're, we're high up here on the tower. But I know it's, it's no, no use coming up Wilson Boulevard now. It's all around us. The fumes are rising. It's, it's been an honor and a privilege. You've been listening to Jabberwocky Audio Theater's performance of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, brought to you in conjunction with WERALP Radio Arlington. This program is being recorded live at Escape Velocity 2018 here at National Harbor. And now, Act Two of War of the Worlds. This is Dr. Isabella Perotin. I've decided to record my thoughts and observations in the hope that they may be used as some form of historical record of the events in the future. I realize that I have an implicit hope and bias that this is a future where humans still exist and perhaps have defeated the Martians, though I have no idea how we would accomplish this, having seen all our technology and military might utterly fail in the past week or so. 
Indeed, it has been at least two days alone since I have seen any other living soul, except for the recording engineer who I escaped with after the fighting at Lake Anna. I will recount all that in due time. I, I suppose for my own sense of place, I should like to detail where I am now. Um, we are currently in a farmhouse north of Fredericksburg. I say farmhouse, but I can't be sure of its actual purpose or if it has been used for any conscious purpose for the past decade or so. Its remote location and lack of purpose may be one of the reasons the Martian tripods have so far ignored it. Uh, from what little I've been able to safely observe, they have been both indiscriminate and thorough in eradicating most signs of human civilization. <sighs> in any case, the house has proven to be an adequate refuge while we figure out our next steps. And, and, and Dave Phillips, the recording engineer I mentioned before, recovers. While we were able to avoid most of the battles and the subsequent firestorms caused by the aliens' heat rays, Dave was affected by some of the Martians' black smoke and, while not fatally injured, retains a chronic cough. Doc? Doc! I'm, I'm here. There's, there's a tripod coming this way. I, I, <coughs> we gotta hide. Are you sure it's not just passing by? There was one headed north a day ago. <coughs> no, no, it's headed right here, right towards the farmhouse. Well, well where can we go? Oh, what was that? I'll bet you anything it's one of, the <coughs> one of those <coughs> mechanical tentacles. It's on the floor. It's on the floor above. There, there's a root cellar out the back door, out the kitchen door, remember? What makes you think it won't search there? I don't, but we gotta... <coughs> we gotta keep moving. We're not safe in this hallway. It's coming. Split up. Wait. Come on, get the door. reviewed my last recording and decided not to record over the sad demise of Mr. Phillips. The aliens were apparently content with harvesting his, his harvesting him. I, I say harvest because his body was added to a mesh container attached to the side of the tripod. Uh, the container was nearly full of bodies as the tripod strode off. It was as if the tripod was gathering supplies. I have decided to continue north, even though that is where I have seen the tripods go. The farmhouse was damaged from the attack that killed Mr. Phillips, and, and I suppose I want to see if any of my family is alive. I was supposed to be in Arlington later that same day that the Marsons landed, a week ago. It seems like months. I realize I've been speaking mainly of personal reflections and have not contributed any meaningful observations, therefore, to do so and to pass the time as I walk, I will explain something of what I have observed about the flora of Mars. Apparently, the vegetable kingdom in Mars, instead of having green for a dominant color, may be of a, of a vivid blood-red tint. At any rate, the seeds which the Martians intentionally or accidentally brought with them gave rise in all cases to red-colored growths, which I can only describe as, as a form of red weed or creeper. For a time, in the days after the invasion, the red weed grew with astonishing vigor and, and spread over the ground and, and buildings. Now 
it appears dormant and slightly darker red color. Uh, I have avoided touching it or walking among the vines. I suppose it may sound ridiculous to ascribe malice to a plant, but its spread across the countryside seems to match the destruction of the Martians that brought it. I am in Prince William County now. I believe around Woodbridge in a section called Putney Hill. Surprisingly, I've not seen any tripods on the move for the last day or so. I've racked my brain wondering at the motivation behind the Martians to travel over 50 million kilometers to destroy us when, when, oh, oh, I, I, I see a man ahead. Uh, I, will, I will keep the recording going. Stop. Where are you from? Uh, I'm, I'm mostly, most recently from Fredericksburg. I was hiding in a house there until it, it got destroyed by a tripod, and I had... There, there's, there's no food around here, so don't go looking. This is my country, you see? All the way from here down to the Occoquan. There's only food for one. Which way are you heading? Well, to Arlington, I suppose. I have family there. A sister, maybe others. Wait, wait, wait. I know you. You were at Lake Anna. Uh, well, you were there... You were there, too. You helped us escape. You're with the artillery, right? So you all survived. I survived. I haven't seen any Martians for the past day or so. Have you seen any around here? No. I see lights up north, though. Near Arlington, D.C., where you're going. Oh, so perhaps the war isn't over. <laughs> war? This is no war. It never was a war. Any more than there's war between men and ants. Hmm. Eatable ants, you mean? Maybe so. Makes sense. They haven't even begun on us. Haven't even begun? Nah. A Martian has only to go a few miles to get a crowd on the run. But they won't keep on doing that. So soon as they've settled all our guns and planes and smashed our roads, they'll begin catching us systematic, picking the best and storing us in cages and things. That's what they'll start doing in a bit. The game's up. We're beat. But then, what is there to live for? Well, there won't be any more blessed concerts for a million years or so. No nice dinners at restaurants. So what's left? Life. That's what. And life is a free man, not under the Martians. I watched you, you know. I watched you from further off. You moved careful-like. That's good. I, I see. S see, I didn't think much of you down at Lake Anna. But, but hey, now you're a survivor. Not like most of the people that were around here. D.C., full of government drones. They'll welcome the Martians and their breeding program. Breeding program? Of course. Why have wild caught when you can have farm-raised? Nice roomy cages, fattening food, careful breeding, no worries. After a week or so, chasing about the fields and lands on empty stomachs, those government drones will come and be caught cheerful. They'll be quite glad after a bit. They'll wonder what people did before there were Martians to take care of them. Sounds like you've made plans. Yeah, well, it's obvious, isn't it? We have to invent a sort of life where men can live and breed and be sufficiently secure to bring the children up. Yes. Wait, wait a bit, and I'll make it clear what I think ought to be done. The tame ones will go like all tame beasts. In a few generations, they'll be useless. The risk is that we who keep wild will go savage, degenerate into sort of a big savage rat. You see, we're going to live underground, but we can't turn into rats. Uh, we'll live underground? Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Up near D.C. and around, 
there are miles and miles, hundreds of miles of tunnels and drains. And then there's cellars, vaults, stores, uh, from which bolting passages can be made to the tunnels. Hey, you begin to see? And we form a band, able-bodied, clean-minded men. Uh, We're not going to pick up any garbage that drifts in. Weaklings go out. Oh, as you meant, me to go. No, 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 we need able-bodied, clean-minded women, too. I mean, you look too old to bear children, but I bet you could be a teacher. Uh, Weren't you one of the experts at Lake Anna? I'm a scientist. See, that's great. You know science things. You can teach people, right? What would you want me to teach? That's the thing. We we get this safe place underground, right? And then we go and find books, and somebody's got to have a copy of Wikipedia somewhere, right? (laughs) It may not be so much we have to learn before... Just imagine this. Four or five of their fighting machines suddenly starting off, heat rays right and left, and not a Martian in them. Not a Martian in them, but men. Men who have learned the way how. It could happen in our time. That could be us. We could be the new rulers of the Earth. I see. Wait. What about the future? Where are you going? Not to your future. Goodbye. It's the day after I met the artilleryman. I have made my way carefully so that I am now at the Roosevelt Bridge in D.C. Strangely, almost disturbingly, I have not encountered any Martians in my journey here. I have occasionally seen their tripods uh, standing like sentry towers in the distance. Even now I see a couple in the far distance in the city as immovable as statues. As I make my way in the streets, I'm startled to find that although there is stillness, it it no longer feels like the stillness of death. Rather, it's one of of suspense and expectation. It's, It's hard to describe. Oh! Looking across the parkland and toward the Arlington Cemetery, I see red weed, or rather, the remains of red weed. There's a whitening upon the fronds, which seems to be rapidly spreading throughout the ailing vegetation. (gasps) And now what's this? I can scarcely believe my eyes. People! An entire group of people! And and they all all seem to be looking at something near the river. One one of them's beckoning me. Come here. Here, take a look. I'm approaching. Uh... None of them appear to be afraid of the Martians suddenly coming upon them, but what the... It's a tripod. It's a tripod collapsed and partially submerged in the Potomac. I can see where the crew of the machine, the Martians, tried to get out. The bodies of the creatures are are, are just lying there, quite uh, inert. Dogs and birds are picking at the bodies. The Martians... The Martians are dead. Bella? That voice, it can't... After the broadcast, I I didn't think... Oh, Bella, I don't know how you survived. I thought you were dead. I thought you were too. Oh, I thought you were too. Now, as I conclude my story... I find I am little able to contribute to the discussion of the many debatable questions which are still unsettled. 
Research biologists and doctors have determined that the Martians were felled not by our human devices, but by the forces of putrefaction and common disease bacteria, the humblest of things from which their systems were totally unprepared. I've come back here to Lake Anna, back to Mayberry Hill where a monument has been erected. I watch people walking to and fro among the flower beds on the hill. Sightseers move about, a Martian machine that stands still with the tumult of playing children nearby. Strange to recall the time when I saw it all bright and clear cut, hard and silent under the dawn of that last great and terrible day. You've been listening to a Jabberwocky Audio Theatre production of War of the Worlds, produced in conjunction with WERALP, Radio Arlington. Today's cast in order of speaking was Brooks Tegler, Steve Ray, Anna Coughlin, Yasmin Toison, Keith Waters, Bjorn Munson, Carol McCaffrey, Nick DePinto. I'm William R. Coughlin. Music was composed by John Maestri. Sound patterns were recorded and performed by Hef Munson. Audio engineering by Antonio Vioronga. Today's play was adapted from the novel by H.G. Wells and directed by Bjorn Munson. Today's performance was recorded live at Escape Velocity 2018 at the Gaylord Convention Center in National Harbor. Special thanks to the Museum of Science Fiction for letting us come and rake audio havoc, especially Paul Ohlers and his AV team. Thanks also to Jackie Stephen and Robert Winship at Arlington Independent Media for their production support. To learn more about Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, please visit us at jabberaudio.com. Thank you very much for listening, and if this story has taught us anything, keep watching the skies. This is Jack Ward from the Mutual Audio Network and from all of us here, the entire United Artists of Audio, I want to thank everyone who has supported us. Listeners and producers, writers and actors, musicians and graphic artists who make audio drama and audio fiction. You inspire us all. And thanks for making a home here on Mutual, where we listen and imagine together.